Polymic Check Mobile. Hello. Check it, check. What do you think about that? And now Arts, please. I'm Art. <laughs> I don't like this. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, no more porn on Tumblr. Avengers lands are coming to Disney. Star Wars goes all cartoony again, and it looks really cool. And wait, why am I on the phone? Let's geek out. The podcast. Hey, it's podcast 1170 and it's podcast 11 for the Geek Out Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. I'm Webmeister Bud. You will hear me Wednesdays on the Morning Zone on Bud's Weekly Geek Out, where I talk about some geeky things, but here we talk about a lot of geeky things. Let's look to my broadcast left, where I've got Paul Plastino. Paul, tell us about yourself. Afternoon co-host of the Afternoon Zone on the Zone at 913 Afternoons. Uh, also, one time, <laughs> I was the judge at a Caesar competition. Thank you. Is this, I'm sorry, I didn't realize we were supposed to be bringing other random facts about ourselves. Uh, I just loved when I told you I was in a parade that time. Really, that was it's like I'm good, painting yeah. a picture of myself okay. av- through this a podcast. Now, I, was the Caesar not, like Caesar drinks? Or? Caesar's, yes. Oh, man. Oh, not like, a, right. like, not like a Julius Caesar dress-up contest or something? Uh, no, but I should have, now that I'm thinking of it, repurposed my little pizza pizza Halloween costume. You would have looked phenomenal as Julius Caesar. Right, and, and judged the Caesar competition dressed as Caesar. Oh, that would have been so great. And then given each Caesar like the thumbs up, thumbs down, like from Gladiator, right? Yeah. right. Oh, should have done that. Do you still have the spear from that costume with the, the pizza platter placed on it? That's right. A zoner made me a spear uh, with two big platters on it so I could carry two large pizzas with me as the Halloween costume, like Little Caesar has like the two pizzas speared onto a spear, right? Yeah. So a zoner made that for me, fabricated it for me. It was huge and gigantic. It took up a lot of space. I went to... I think it was a nightclub with two pizzas on it, and then get, immediately the pizzas were eaten. Uh, yes, that spear is still in the storage downstairs in the basement of this radio station. Amazing. <laughs> Paul's segment has gone on way too long. Art, tell us about yourself. Hi, guys. Yes, I'm a reporter on the Q and the Zone, and also a co-host on Between the Stammers, your unofficial Canucks podcast. Yep, yep, yep. I'm not for writing about yourself. Oh, <laughs> shut it, Paul. <laughs> All right, let's get our special guest on the phone. Brian, what you doing over there? Yeah, I'm home right now. Um, so I'm regularly heard in the afternoon zone at uh, 5 o'clock on weekdays uh, doing the mixtape. But I'm home right now taking care of two very sick children. My own children. What a guy. Oh, yeah, your it own would, children. That's it a bonus. would be very weird if it were somebody else's children. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, let's geek out, shall we? I shouldn't have left that space. I should have just probably just gone. Okay. So this week on the on Bud's Weekly Geeked Out... Wow. Good thing we don't have to talk for a living. Uh, this week on Bud's Weekly Geek Out, I talked about Tumblr. Huge, popular blogging site app format thing out there. We'll be banning porn as of Monday. Um, Sorry, Paul. Okay, honestly? Oh, you should see the look on his face right now. It is such shock. I read this story. <laughs> Indignant shock. And I was like... Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this doesn't pertain to me because I don't, uh, I never tumble. I never tumble. You don't watch porn? Um, and then I said, and then That's not what we he were said. actually <laughs> listening to your weekly geek out, uh, Webmeister Bud, uh, a dear, 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 dear friend of mine and I. And uh, she says to me, wait a minute, that's your favorite type of pornography. 
Is and, tumble porn? Yeah, well, it's kind of true. I when I lo- I'm looking to uh, have some pornography for myself, I Google sex gifs. Are you guys into gifs as well? For in terms of pornography, I'm not into that word because it's gif. I like the gifs. It's just like I quickly. Wow, this is I'm really bearing my most intimate soul here. But yeah, I'm really surprised how quickly this went sideways. But keep going. I'm not a you porn guy or a, a Pornhub guy. Usually, I look at just gifs of uh, sex acts. And that's what I like. And then I realized that a lot of these are on Tumblr. That's where I go to. I can scroll a page of uh, of porn gifts on uh, the Tumblr is where they are. Art, so this Art, does do a concern to me. Art's face is in his hands. Art looks like I feel right now. I'm trying to hold this together. This is not my favorite topic of conversation. Dylan and Jason kept trying to throw the word nipples into the conversation yeah. while I was talking. It that's was killing right. me. That's right. So the gist of it, Paul, is that... Um, you don't tumble. You don't go to Tumblr necessarily um, as a place to go to consume content. However, it does happen to be the source of much of your uh, a- adult um, content. Turns out. Turns out. Turns out. Well, let's see what happens uh, post Monday. You'll be searching the internet, and I don't know what will happen. Maybe far less. Um, I found some other ones. There's plenty of. Uh, turns okay, out, great. turns out, okay, turns out that uh, there's plenty of pornography all over the internet. Are you really? Of every make and model you could ever imagine. Okay. And there are way other websites that uh, you can watch sex gifs on. Hey, wait a minute. Oh. But. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to wrap this topic quickly, but yes. No, yes, my con- my concern is, uh, I've seen this be like a, oh, this is it for Tumblr. That's that's it. It'll just die now. Yeah. Is is pornography that big of a thing for Tumblr, or are people just mad at Tumblr uh, for you know jumping on board with the like w- female presenting nipples are awful that they're just be like, all right, then we don't need you whole stock then. I believe it is the it is more of people just being angry on principle. I believe that Tumblr has a. Like, here's the thing. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, like, statistically how much adult content there is compared to other content on Tumblr. But I know that Tumblr is huge for fans, fans of things. Tumblr is, and I I don't mean this in a a derogatory way, sort of the new GeoCities of, like, fan pages, Mm -hmm. except people will fan post about, you know, this particular book or this particular comic or this particular movie character. There are Tumblrs uh, about all sorts of very niche topics. I don't think that this will kill Tumblr in any way, shape, or form. Okay. That's just me. Can we move on? Can we talk is about Is it something? the right oh, choice, no, though? Stupid. Is it the right thing for them to do? I know uh, why they did it, right? You you talked about it in the geek out there. Yeah, they, they, they found they some... They found pornography, right? Yeah, they child found porn. some yeah some child porn on on the uh, on their app, and then it was the app was banned from the... Uh, or on, it was on their service, and then the app was banned from the Apple App Store, and that was just a big wake-up call to them. They've just had fairly lax guidelines on this kind of thing before. Right. So, um, yeah, hard to say what it will do in the grand scheme, you know, what the effect will be. Um, but I think at least for the for the short term, there's plenty of other content, plenty of fans, p- plenty of passion about Tumblr that doesn't revolve around that. Okay. I just doesn't it seem we- really weird and regressive and Puritan to just be like, uh, we have a problem with child pornography. We've identified that as being an issue. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, we're all on board with that. Please get rid. Please buckle down, strict up about that. That's not good. Uh, but we're also going to get rid of uh, adult women's nipples. 
uh, what? What the fuck? Like, we're trying to, the whole rest of the internet is trying to get, like, Instagram and, and Facebook to not be so aggressive with that and to, you know, the whole free the nipple movement. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, why? Why? Is, that seems totally backwards. Do you think it's a so good move on that So you're just saying that they, sh- they should just have a rule saying no child pornography instead of no pornographic images in general. Yes. Because that is, I would call, I would say that is the majority of the general public internet. That is the rule that sort of holds to all of it. You can have all this sorts of stuff because it's a free and open internet. Art, just move the mic, move the mic the way you want to move it. Sorry. <laughs> He's been making all these micro adjustments we're talking about. It's a nervous I, move. <laughs> I think there's, there's, uh, there's, it's the internet, right? Like it's supposed to be sort of free and open, but we do all have this sort of agreed upon line in the sand and that's, child pornography we don't we don't tend to step over that line and that is reserved for the darker the under the other kinds of nets that there are and they they thrive there but for like the general public for the stuff that most people can get to yeah it's the internet that stuff is out there and it does seem like a bit of a of an overreaction and i wonder also if in six months they won't quietly unlock this and uh and say yeah we're just going to be on the lookout for cp but everything else can come back you can't regulate the internet it's, you can try, though, especially if you're corporate That owned. ship has sailed, man. Mm-hmm. Is Tumblr corporately owned? Uh, Tumblr, I believe, was bought by Yahoo recently. Um, I'm going to now make a marker at that point of the conversation. You guys keep talking, and I will confirm my facts. Are, is this going to be featured heavily on the Afternoon Zone now? Is that, is, that what, is that what's going on with this? Is that why you want to talk about this so much? No, I just, uh, it is curious to me. Again, it's like, I think it's a move in the wrong direction, I think. You can't, well, I mean, you know. on a serious note, uh, story I just uh, read, wrote for uh, our news department, uh, child exploitation, Gina Squimalt just got pinched for it, Shit. you know, so it's, it's a thing, child, child porn. Oh, I don't think any of us are saying we shouldn't crack down hard on child pornographers, you know, and, uh, and all of that stuff. It's just, but there's a huge, huge, huge chasm between... You know, adults who just would like to have their nipples on the internet and not be shamed about them uh, versus a child's or children being exploited, you know, in a horrific way. And uh, to lump it all together for Tumblr to react in that way is, to me, again, it's regressive, but I'm a... Kind of like in Footloose when they ban dancing because it leads to sex. Thank you, Brian! Logic. Logic. Tumblr started in 2007 from 2013 until 2017. It was owned by Yahoo. And then in 2017, it was bought up by a company called Oath Inc. So there is some, you know, some kind of corporate ownership uh, behind it. And I, you know, again, Apple is a huge, a huge beast of, uh, you know, of of content and promotion. And I'm sure if Apple takes your app off their app store, you want to do what you can to make them happy. So this is very possibly an overreaction. And we'll just, we'll just have to see how it goes, honestly. Now, can we please talk about something else? For okay. everyone who's concerned, there is other sources of pornography online. Okay, thanks. Let's just talk. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start. If you want to DM me, I'll point you in okay, good so, directions. Okay, so, yeah, all right, that's okay, great. Sorry. Brian, what were you going to say? One more thing about pornography? No. Nothing. Nipples. Go. Nothing. For Frank's sakes, you guys. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Avengers and other superheroes will assemble in new themed areas at Disneyland Resort in California, Disneyland Paris, and Hong Kong Disneyland. Not much information about this except for some animated posters and the phrase, recruitment begins soon. What do we think about this? I mean, we already have a Star Wars land being built up and... Iron Man, I believe Iron Man, they've got an Iron Man uh, in Hong Kong, an Iron Man area in Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, 
Is this a bad thing? No, I, I love it. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Any chance of oversaturation? Not for Brian. Mm, no. no, I don't think. I honestly, I don't think for anybody. It was sort of a gotcha question. I think right now is the perfect time for them to be doing this. It'd be interesting because I remember I was in Hong Kong Disneyland about three or four years ago, um, and they were just building that Iron Man ride, um, which is kind of like uh, one of those moving virtual reality. Like they'll they'll have you um, in one of those things that moves, in like one of those theaters that moves, and uh, there's like this. this the screen and it feels like you're flying around with Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, they built that in like the Tomorrowland section of the Hong Kong Disneyland. It's probably I'm the old Star if, Tours. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering if they're going to end up like moving it or doing something like changing that and then moving um, kind of everything into one designated area, kind of like what they're doing with the Star Wars land. It'd probably be right for a refresh, that particular ride. And then, yeah, building it into more, uh, you know, broader sort of Avengers uh, characterization because there certainly is a, a, a dearth of, of content and characters from which to draw. I went as like a, in my early teens as a family vacation, we went down to, I think it was California, and at the time Universal Studios, um, I guess, had the rights to all the Marvel superheroes um, and they had incredible rides that were based on like Spider-Man. I remember it was like the Doctor Doom Tower of Fear or whatever. It was one of those uh, shoot you up in the air elevator style rides um they were awesome they were such a cool thing we went specifically to go to that oh wow oh yeah because um you know it's like i wasn't even in that that age not really big into big roller coasters which is what universal studios does more of they do like really intense roller coasters i was still too much of a fraidy cat for that um but i you know i was like i wanted more of the disney speed roller coasters <laughs> california screaming which recently i noticed was actually renamed Oh, what do they rename California Screaming to? Yeah, it's something different now. It's like the uh, That's I don't a know. Shame. Yeah, why don't you, you keep you talking? I'll look it up while I ramble. But um, yeah, so I so if Disney could do that, like bring all those characters which it owns under their theme park uh, umbrella, that would be such a cool thing. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't even have to make two stops. I wouldn't even have to go to Universal Studios if they could do more intense roller coasters. Now that I'm adult and I really like roller coasters, that would be cool too. It's kind of like the theme park version of their own streaming service. They're bringing <laughs> everything that they own under their own roof and presenting it for you and having it there for you to buy. No reason to buy anyone else. No reason to have Netflix. No reason to go to Universal Studios. Your TV isn't immersive enough? Come to our theme park. Exactly. Where you can also ride the Incredicoaster. That's what they've renamed it to. Incredicoaster. That's oh, okay. a horrible name. <laughs> I don't know if isn't I like that, it more. Um, temporary? Like, because they're turning, they turned that into, like, the Pixar Pier or something. Oh, yeah, that's right, too. They did right, that. Yeah. I don't know if that's always going to be called the Incredicoaster, though. I think that was, like, uh, this is kind of a temporary thing that they're doing, unless it's like, like a full-on rebrand that they, they did in California. Adventure. Hard to say. I'm just I'm just perusing Wikipedia because it's on the internet, so it must be true. And I don't see anything about it being temporary. But um, that makes that makes sense to to limit this to limit this, especially in Disney's California Adventure, which was more supposed to be about California right. than any of their properties. Uh, to limit it to this uh, might be a little restrictive for them. So it, it, temporary would be a, a logical move. I don't know if they are doing that though anymore because now they've got that Little Mermaid ride, uh, which is is incredible by the way uh over there in california i think they're just it started out as this california themed other park but i think now they're just like 
oh, we have more real estate. Maybe this, they're trying to say that all the characters live in California now. Maybe. Incredible. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, by the way, too, I don't know if you guys saw this online, but there is some footage of new animatronics of the Beauty and the Beast ride that they're putting into a Disneyland. I think it's Hong Kong Disneyland, and they look absolutely incredible. The new generation of animatronics... They have them in this uh, Little Mermaid ride that's in California Adventure as well now. I was blown away by that. That was a few years ago. Um, the new ones now, if you haven't seen this online, go and see Belle and her horse. You know, they look real, but a cartoon come to life. It's incredible. I will totally seek that out. I love me some animatronics. I think the technology behind it is brilliant because I've seen footage of, you know, with the faces stripped out with like just the skeletons underneath. Yes. And like the freaking. Oh, man, the gears and servos and levers yeah. and all that stuff that makes it go, like, absolutely incredible. And, I would, yeah, I would love to see how that evolves. And, uh, you know, I'm going to write down on this piece of paper uh, show notes, animatronics, and then hopefully you'll be able to go to the zone.fm slash podcast <laughs> and uh, listen to the latest uh, Geek Out podcast and then look at a video of these things. Let's hope I don't forget. I'm going to write it down now. I just find it amazing what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done for these properties and for everything and just... How like the sky's the limit now. They can do whatever yeah. they want, and people are going to buy it, and people are going to go, and people are going to get excited about it. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Well, and now oh, is the time. Avengers, is, boom. Yeah, but now is the time, especially for the Avengers. They yeah. are so hot right now. It makes it makes nothing but sense. Perfectly logical for them to do this. And I think Disney has been a hundred percent transparent about this is what their goal has pretty much always been. Let's let's uh, expand Star Wars. Like let's buy Star Wars. Let's expand Star Wars and let's exploit the shit out of it because people aren't going to care because they're going to want to go to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, like, I, I was, I'm not surprised that they're doing the same thing with the Avengers. Is like, let's just make things people are going to want to go and have fun at, and then you know unload their money at. Um, but it's not necessarily treating us like we're dumb consumers. They know that we want this stuff. They know that like our generation uh, will go to this stuff because it's fun. And at this point, it's all new. There's all sorts of different theming and rides and, uh, you know, characterizations and all sorts of things they could immerse us in that we haven't experienced before, hopefully necessarily, with these new characters. So, yeah, why not? It's just as you said, Paul, it's like the, the most immersive experience extending from your TV. It starts yeah. with good storytelling, though, right? That's what Marvel's oh, yeah. been able to do, and so we true. swallow these characters and love these characters that they can do whatever they want, and it starts with great storytelling. Super good point. It yeah. also keeps well, these parks relevant, too, because I'm not going back and again and again and again and again for Mr. Toad's Wild, wild Ride. Even though that's a pretty good ride. It's a great ride, yeah. but who's Mr. Toad? Okay, Why does he point. get a yeah. ride You know where these characters that have made billions and billions of dollars for Disney... Why don't they have a ride? Why don't they have a real-world thing I can go on? Good call. Like, Good call. And speaking to the experience thing that Bud was talking about, one of my, my kids' favorite things to do uh, in California Adventure when we were there was going into that little theater and then getting to meet the turtle from uh, Finding Nemo, Crush. And he's an act- the actual animated turtle, but uh, you can ask questions to the screen, and he'll answer you. Oh, because I love the actual, that stuff. Like, there's a voice person on the other end, um, and he's kind of talking back to the kids and then somebody sort of like, I guess the animation is able to sort of follow what he does when he's talking back to the, to the kids. It was really cool. And like it's experience that you never thought you would be able to have, but you know, Disney's thought of it. 
I absolutely love that kind of stuff. Back in the day when I first saw this kind of thing happen and it was like a character talking on TV, it was pretty rudimentary, like puppeteering stuff. And you'd have the person speaking and then you have, they'd move their hand to move the mouth kind of thing. I reckon, I'm not sure, but I reckon these days it's probably done with mocap, which is kind of amazing. Live mocap with a trained voice actor as part of your experience day to day in the park. Like that is brilliant because if you're going to sink kids in talking to crush, that's the way to do it. Do it right, Disney. Yay. How's that for a job, too? Hey, go and put your mocap on and then sit behind a screen and talk to children all day in that a funny turtle voice. That would be incredible. Unreal. Improv skills up the yin-yang. <laughs> so, speaking of Disney and Star Wars, the Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures recently launched recently launched on uh, YouTube.com slash Star Wars Kids. Hey, there's something else I will put a note to in the show notes. If I remember, I'm going to draw a big star by this and draw an arrow up to here. Um, so, <laughs> what these are, you found these, Paul. Tell me what mm. these are. They're little uh, cartoons, like, what are they, uh, under two minutes? Oh, geez, they're 45 seconds at most, I think. Yeah, that's right, too. And they're just, like, uh, animated reimaginings of the classic Star Wars movies or scenes from them, um, including, actually, there's one from Rogue One, um, that the only kind of sound in them, or at least the only kind of um, talking in them, is... Uh, taken from the movies, lifted from yeah. the actual dialogue from the movies. It's so incredible. Yeah, they've lifted the actual vocal tracks from the movies and they put mm-hmm. them in these beautiful cartoons. Very bite-sized, very yeah. bright, very uh, stylistic, fast-moving animation. Um, I love these. Right? I watched all of them last night in prep for the pod and and I was sad when they were over because they're all yeah. really quite short. Um, but I really enjoyed them. And you have scenes with... Um, you know, Luke, Darth Vader, and the Emperor. You have the scene with the, the you're all clear kid and firing into the exhaust port for the Death Star. Um, and there was actually a really cool one with R2-D2 and C-3PO that gave you a different angle of the, the, the scene with Darth Vader in Rogue One. You sort of see him walking right to left right. as he is about to go and destroy all of those people. The scene that you see where the lightsaber lights up in the dark, you see Darth Vader walking toward that over the shoulder of C-3PO and R2-D2. You're incorrect. I'm incorrect. <laughs> he was walking left to right. You're no. out of order. <laughs> Sorry, bud. I'm going to get super geeky. Please no, do. He wouldn't have been. that. I think that's uh, over their shoulders, the droid's shoulders. You see Darth Vader when, once he's boarded the Yavin 4 or whatever. Oh, Princess at the Slayers. beginning of Star Wars. Yes. My which, apologies. If we're lo- Rogue One, the lightsaber in the dark happened on the different ship. Right uh, before he got on the before, before he realizes the planet has been jettisoned. Sorry, yeah, yes. you're absolutely right. I'm being a total nerd. Nope, but I love it. You know why I love these uh, these little cartoon videos is uh, they they're bright and they're colorful and they're quick for little kids to get introduced into the classic movies of Star Wars. Yeah, right. The the kids with all the, the short attention spans that have been watching Clone Wars and the never ending lightsaber nonsense that's on those. <laughs> Sorry, but anything prequel era is just like so too much, way okay. way too much. Okay. Um, so it, it entices them. It's exciting and cool and fun for them, quick and easy to digest. But it also, for like me, this uh, middle-aged man, uh, I love it too because it is really beautiful to look at. But it's these classic scenes that I grew up with. It's just these reimaginings, these little bit extra modern excitement for them from these classic movies that were, you know, per- near perfect the way they were originally done. So you're getting hit with the nostalgia, and they're getting hit with the sort of the, lo- the Looney Tunes characterizations and and that kind of motion and, exactly. and presentation of it. Yes, I love them. I think they're brilliant. Brian, have you seen any? I just saw the Darth Vader one, and I can I can see where you think 
it's it's from Rogue One, especially from the part <laughs> like that right at the beginning where that lightsaber illuminates the whole room. Yeah. Okay, I was wrong. That's fine. I'm happy to be wrong. That's okay. Just, just keep, <laughs> I'm keep not saying you're wrong. No, I, was like, I can see where. Yeah. Where. <laughs> I watched it, and I I kind of think that it's cool because when you go back and you watch like the old movies, right? Even though they're digitally remastered and stuff, it still feels like you're watching a set. Yeah. Right. Everything's a set piece. Good call. So when you go and watch, uh, these animated cool animations, it's like, yeah, it reinvigorates it. Right. And it just, you're uh, fully in the world. Yeah. And yeah. it brings you and it's like, wow, this is, this is cool. This is what it sh- should look like. You yeah. know, even though it's animation. Good call. You know, I, I just, it reinvigorates those classic scenes and you're like, wow, I'd watch an entire movie in that, you know? I remember back in the 90s when those VHS remastered tapes came out. Oh, yeah. Of the original Star Wars. And mm-hmm. I loved them so much and I was so glad to have them. But I remember even back then thinking, you know, with no concept of even the prequels or the entire expanded universe as Star Wars exists today, where it's like every six months it feels like we get a brand new movie and everything. Un- unbelievable. But I remember watching those movies and being like, I love these, but especially the first one. These are dated. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... What possible way could you redo these movies? Uh, yeah. You know, like how yeah. do you possibly do, do you, like do you recast Mark Hamill? Do you recast Darth Vader? This is the way to do it. This is kind of the way to retell that story. And and so now my thought, of course, is do not touch those ever. Never try to remake those. There's plenty of stuff to remake, but everything that's that you've tried to touch on in that era, I've thought is so junk, anyways. They exist um, on their own for a reason, and they yeah. are they are from that era, and so you have to expect a bit of dating. Not everything can be timeless. And that's why I think the sequel trilogy is so great, is because the, the original trilogy, uh, the actors are perfect, and the everything, and the emotion, and like those are great, greatest movies. You so, just so say good. the sequel trilogy. Yeah, yeah, the sequel trilogy is great, because here's what I'm saying, like, the original trilogy... So you're talking four, five, and six? Yeah. Okay. No, no. The sequel no, no, trilogy, seven eight nine. Well, seven eight and seven eight nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. The original trilogy, four, four five, five six. six. Yeah, kind of dated in that they were limited by their budget and the technical limitations at the time. Even though they were technical achievements in 1977, right now to watch them is like, boof, has not aged eh, so well. Okay, the prequel trilogy, one, two, and three. Awful in that they are <laughs> okay. so so like that is that early two thousands late nineties CG not good crap that is using every piece of technology they possibly can but such shit because from the foreground to the background to everything is computer digital digitally animated is shit looks like shit it's bad for the time it's bad for just the way that it looks it it also ages has aged horrifically not to mention yeah, all the other limitations so much on the technology of making it too that they forgot that right fucking dialogue. Right? Right. It was just done for the sake of the, the gadgets and toys. Yeah. And it's just, and you know, because you're get entire movies filmed in front of green screen, it just looks like crud and the actors, you don't believe they're there. You just don't. Finally, in the sequel trilogy, seven, eight, nine, because they're filming on actual sets, uh, you know, and they've they've really dialed in what it is to what it should look like to be a Star Wars movie, practical but also fantastical. They're nailing it. I really think those movies are going to uh, stand the test of time in that way. What a great analysis! Absolutely. Anything more on this? No, no, we're good. I'm excited for the trailer. There's supposed to be a trailer soon for Star Wars Episode Nine. Oh, yeah, a year out. 
Yeah, this is what I'm hearing. Or no, maybe not a year out. Maybe uh, for seven and eight, they both uh, debuted those trailers at Star Wars Celebration, which happens, I think, in the like early, early spring. So <laughs> it's like months away. But you I'm, can still be excited. I'm for still a excited about it. No trailer kind of still gets me as excited as a Star Wars trailer. Really? For yeah. this sequel trilogy. I remember watching that episode seven trailer and just being like, The wow, Force Awakens. Yeah, was... this is what Star Wars should look like. Yeah. I remember seeing the episode eight trailer and being like, what? That? This? Those two? <laughs> them two are going to fight each other? What? And right, being so excited. Like, what's Ray doing? Being so excited. Nothing gets me as jazzed. Not even the Avengers trailers mm. as the Star Wars trailers. So, and again, with J.J. back behind the helm, too, that guy knows how to make a trailer. Nothing wrong with the Avengers trailers. It's just, right now, there's there's too much. There's just too much of all of that content. And I think it's because of the... Um, more limited release, the uh, the the longer we have to wait. Nature of a Star Wars movie, yeah. yeah when that trailer drops, you are all in. Yeah. I get that. Um, so trailers, yeah, we were supposed to get it into the Spider Verse trailer on Saturday. We didn't. What happened? Oh, you mean uh, Spider Man Far From Home? Oh, Spider Man Far From Home. Sorry, that's what I meant. I'm really jazzed about Into the Spider Verse. Me too. Is, Should um, we see it on Tuesday too. together? Oh, is that that's because that's out tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. A Friday yeah. the the fourteenth. The fourteenth of December. Uh, sorry, yes, Spider Man Far From Home. Um, we were supposed to get a trailer for that on Saturday. Brian, what happened? I'm blaming you. You told us it was going to happen. I know. Well, it was actually supposed to happen. Um, uh, what I'm thinking is that they said that because they did that uh, event in Brazil and they did actually show the, the trailer at that event in Brazil. But I think they said they were going to release it on the Internet soon after to sort of and then they were going to kind of wait and see to see if anybody actually captured footage on their cell phone to officially release it. And if nobody did, they would wait. That's a really smart move. It's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking that they, maybe they even said that to uh, that that like minutes later it's going to be on the internet to um, detract people from trying to capture it on their cell phone and being that first person to upload it. That's really smart. Yeah, because the mm. people in there who would normally like cam this stuff and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm the first. If they think it's going to be dropping immediately after, they may not make the efforts. Yeah. Also, probably seven layers of electronics and metal screening before you go into a room where you're being shot <laughs> a trailer yeah. like that. Yeah, I think something was released because Collider Video had like a review of the Far From Home trailer. I'm like, I haven't seen any trailers. So. Yeah. yeah, you can have a review with people yeah. talking about it, but if yeah. they can't play it back from their eyeballs. Yeah. So the trailer was released at that event in Brazil, but um, the only thing ever to come out of that was like a description, a written description of what the trailer is or right. what happens in the trailer i've kind of avoided it um but i did hear spoiler alert if anybody didn't want to hear this but i did hear uh it's not what i had hoped which is the one that paul kind of had originally envisioned is that it's a trailer a spider-man trailer without spider-man yeah i do believe spider-man's in it and uh like uh other people are in it as well other people that were snapped Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Darren, our uh, one listener to this podcast, described it to me after he read the um, Collider description. He was like, uh, oh, so in this trailer, we're just assuming that what the snap never happened or has completely been undone. It's like, it's uh, just as we were all kind of fearing, it uh, completely misses that aspect of what is the biggest thing happening right now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The biggest unresolved thing. 
and is totally Sony just being like, yeah, we don't give a shit about that or continuity or it makes what me you sad. care about. Yeah, it makes me sad, too. It's just like, no, no, we just want to sell a Spider-Man movie. We don't give a shit about what you think or what you care about. Um, but maybe, with that in mind, maybe that's why it hasn't actually been full-on released. They don't want to give that icky feeling to fans at large. They just showed it you know, to this one place in Brazil so they could sell a couple more uh, t- Bravia TVs. Yeah, yeah. The, the logic behind showing that there and not everywhere else is interesting. Um, I, there's a lot of research that goes into this, uh, into this podcast, so I can't remember exactly where I got this from, but mm. somewhere I think I thought I remember reading that Far From Home is going to take place quote-unquote, minutes after Avengers Endgame. So we'll see. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, so we'll see We'll see how that goes. I was even thinking, too, I, I know somebody, and I, were, I was talking to a friend about it, and he was saying, how do we know that this isn't a prequel to um, Infinity War? Right. I was like, well, that would be an all right. That's like, because that was what Ant-Man was, right? Ant-Man was, uh, technically, it was a prequel to Infinity War, and then it eventually just kind of caught up within that post credit scene. Totally. Um but uh, yeah, then that's another thing that I did hear is that it does take place like minutes after Endgame. So it's like, well, there goes that. Wasting no time. I guess it's uh, after December 12th, so Once Upon a Deadpool is out now. Did Have we all seen the uh, the latest two trailer or trailery types of things for this uh, PG-13 re-release of Deadpool 2? Yes. One was basically a giant commercial for Nickelback, which is hilarious. <laughs> Not expecting that. No, Hannah Alberta must be so proud right now. It's Canadians <laughs> helping Canadians, I guess, right? Ryan Reynolds being from Vancouver. Um, and there was another one where it's just a back and forth, back and forth between Fred Savage and Deadpool about, you know, where do you live? Why Why are you doing this? Who do you think is going to swallow this? And um, yeah, very funny little bits and bobs for the release that is out now for Once Upon a Deadpool. It'll run until uh, Christmas Eve. And again, this is the PG-13 version of Deadpool 2. <laughs> Cannot imagine how they're going to do this. Any thoughts on this one? The Nickelback one really plays well to actual to Deadpool's actual character, because Deadpool himself is Canadian. Yes, of Dead, course. Deadpool himself is from Winnipeg. Which is why he would know all these things. Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought they were great. And nobody else did. Okay, so well, the, I, yeah. <laughs> well, Deadpool, I mean, we know about uh the way they market their movies, Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds, like the guy stays up at night, late at night, trying to figure out new, newer, cool ways to promote, you know, Deadpool. And he comes up with, you know, genius stuff. This whole like Once this. Upon a Deadpool yeah. retelling was, it was yeah. a Ryan Reynolds brainstorm. And here it is in reality. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the movie yet. So I probably will at some point. I don't know if I'll go to theater to see it, but I'll, I'll watch it. So yeah. you've seen Deadpool one, but not two. Oh, I've seen both Deadpools, but this one, Once Upon a Time. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's only only been on for a couple days as we record this, so you're Um, forgiven. I, too, respect Ryan Reynolds for having this great idea and for putting it out and um, uh, using Nickelback, I guess, as a punchline, I suppose. I I disagree with every single thing he says about (laughs) that they're good. Um, For the record, I have always hated Nickelback. I was on the uh, tip of the spear of the Nickelback hatred. Back in the uh, late 1990s, early wow. 2000s, okay? I'm not a, you know, it's like I hate now that everyone's just like, oh, you just say you don't like Nickelback because everyone says they don't like Nickelback. No, 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 no. Very, <laughs> very, I was very mad at Nickelback and everyone who sounded like them for ruining the radio where I grew up in Vancouver. I kind of compare it. Nickelback to like the Fast and the Furious movies. Ooh. That is, Ooh. A, that's kind of what they're like. You, they make a lot of hits. Some people like them. And, uh, <laughs> 
what I say to that. There's a market for them. There's a market for Nickelback. Well, you're not wrong about that. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the no- same thing. It's just different. You know, Paul has the most dismissive look on his face right now. (laughs) This is a discussion for maybe a music podcast, so I won't get really into it, but I have such a fucking hatred for the type of music that Nickelback makes and how it was foisted upon us for years. A detriment to the rock and roll genre that we have still not recovered from. Three systems of a nickel creed. Okay. That... Are you all right? Yes, I can scream later about that. But for right now... Um, let me just say about Deadpool is that it's only getting 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I read that too. I was kind of surprised. Let me read the synopsis here that they say, Once Upon a Deadpool retains enough of the franchise's anarchic... Anarchic? Anar- an- anarchistic? Anarchic? Anarchic? An- what's I'm going to have to look at the word. What Hang is this word? I, I, I know anarchy and I know anarchistic. Anarchy. Anarchic? Archaic. No, the archaic means no, something anarchic. totally. Anarchic? Yeah. I hate that word. <laughs> uh, you hate it as much as Nickelback. <laughs> Almost. No, no, no. no. Uh, as much as it's that uh, spirits to entertain, but it doesn't add enough to Deadpool 2 to justify its own existence. Mm. And that's kind of, it's interesting. That's kind of how I think I'm feeling about this movie. But I have I mean, no, like I get, I like this Fred Savage aspect and I like what they're doing and I like how, to see how they'll be creative and reimagining this filthy movie into something that's family friendly-ish. I just don't think I need to see it in a movie theater. Uh, Yeah, okay, okay, I kind of see that. Because it's like, I was going to say, how can we not expect it to be pretty much the same movie, just with a few, you know, rainbows and and unicorns instead of cussing and blood? Um, But yeah, I I get that. Do you think this would be a good introduction to someone who maybe hasn't seen Deadpool 2, is to take him to this version? No. No, yeah, okay. Not at all. In fact, I think this is... This is really, really for people who loved Deadpool so much that they just want to see how you would do it differently. Yes. Yeah, you'd almost want to see more of those, like, different scenes, more of those Fred Savage scenes or scenes that were cut out from the original. Absolutely. And I think, too, that that even kind of slices the Deadpool pie kind of thin because I think there is a sizable audience of Deadpool that love him because he is so filthy. So if you say to that guy in his tap-out T-shirt, hey, come and see this Deadpool where there's no swearing, he'd be like, why the fuck would I do that? That's what I like about Deadpool. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how it does at the box office. And if you all gents want to go and see it, God love you, but I'll wait till Netflix, and I want to go see Into the Spider-Verse instead this week. Yes, I'm with you on that one. I think this is more for the Bryans of the world who think that Deadpool might be a good character to introduce their kids too, and that this might be the gateway to do it. But I'm not. But Brian. at the same time, at the same time, like I would almost have appreciated it more, or more have been more enticed to, to see it more in theaters if they did kind of a Once Upon the Deadpool that combined Deadpool one and two. Yeah. Like, why am I going to take wow, right to a PG thirteen version of? a sequel of a movie that they hadn't seen because it's too it's it's rated R. That's an amazing th- that makes perfect sense. Yeah, great point. Yeah, you're dropping them into a world of characters that they have basically not been introduced to. I'm sure there might be a little bit of, you know, and this is Deadpool. He's such and such this and that, you know, but that's not really going to yeah. fill in the blanks for someone who needs to know the character that well. Is there going to be a Deadpool 3, Brian, do you know? I would assume so. Yeah, um, it, it all kind of really de- depends on the Fox Disney deal. But I don't. I think Disney would, would be really stupid to not continue on with the Deadpool franchise. If if anything, 
right? So they could re- and they could reboot the X Men franchise all they want, but then keep Deadpool just because Deadpool is who he is, right? Yeah, I I think uh, in that case. You know, as much as, again, I love the idea and Ryan Reynolds' initiative of it, um, okay, why not finish out the trilogy? You know, why not have that and then go to this Once Upon a Deadpool idea and do it for the whole entire trilogy and then release that? I think that would yeah, have you're right. I got think me. He, yes. he might have almost had, had thought of this idea a little bit too soon. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, because it is a great idea. But yeah, I would love that, a repackaging of the whole story. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, some news uh, to Ryan Reynolds' credit as well, though. This just came out today, I saw, that uh, he will be narrating a documentary about the Great Bear Rainforest. Wicked. Yeah, so uh, God bless you, Ryan Reynolds, for that. That's how you have some pride for your Canada, Ryan Reynolds. Not defending our worst export ever. <laughs> Fuck's sakes. <laughs> okay, the Celine Dion thing was phenomenal. That's so uh, wonderful. That's boy. hilarious. That's kitschy. But defending Nickelback, god damn it. Okay, let's move on. I have a lot of friends who love Nickelback. Please, I liked all of their dresses. I'm going to go scream at their faces. <laughs> oh! I'm going to go tell why they're so stupid. Apparently, boy. they put on hell of a show. <sighs> okay, we got to move on. Paul's going to freaking explode here. I'd like to see a cancer tumor under a microscope. It's a hell of a show as well. Okay, okay, okay. Horrible! Let's, let's congratulate Art on finishing Season 7 of Game of Thrones. Yay! Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. How Thank long you. did you hang on to those last two episodes for? Oh, man. So I blasted through the first six seasons uh, this summer. Like, over the summer. Like, a month this summer. And then I guess I was getting into the seventh uh, season, maybe around September, and I watched like the first five episodes. And then there was two episodes left, and I was like... And then you put them in the freezer. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Do you see how my brow is furrowed at you? Are you kidding me? You waited months on these last two episodes because you don't like cliffhangers? Well, I mean, that's part of it but i just like i know the next season's coming out and i'm like well why don't i just wait and just watch this and then boom i'm with everybody else at the start of season eight i chided you for this maniac behavior before but you know what as i'm also right now blasting through game of thrones all over again i kind of get it yeah those cliffhanger episodes are so cliffhangery they're mean man they are mean that's a good way to put it last night i watched uh, the season finale i think it was uh uh, season five, Jon Snow gets it in the snow, right? Yeah. And uh, I had to watch the next episode immediately. W- where do we go from this? Whereas I remember in real life, I saw Jon Snow get stabbed and I was like, what the fuck? And I had to sit there and like be sad about it for an for, entire year. For a year. <laughs> so I kind of get where you're at. Thank if you, you stop on the like second to last episode of a season, mm. it's like, okay, that episode ended. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah so who, who cares what even happens next? It's um, a great willpower <laughs> is what it is, too. You have, True enough. Well, what, delayed gratification. So what, was the last, what was the last episode that you watched before uh, the last, uh, the final two? Was the last one you watched like the Lutrain battle? I think uh, that was episode, months ago, Brian. You the can't episode remember that. after that, <laughs> yeah, right. I believe it was. It was uh, before the episode where uh, they send all they send all the great warriors up to, uh, to, to 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 bring back proof of the walkers. Right. Yeah. So the episode before that. What happens in the episode? Because as I'm remembering, that probably was a good spot to to call it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't they resurrect the dragon in that one? No, that's in the next one. Yeah, that's after. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's one of the episodes where Jon Snow is like pleading with Daenerys about yeah. this, right? Yeah, and yeah. she's telling him to bend the knee, and he's like, "No, I won't do it." Yeah. And they're making googly eyes at each other, and I'm just like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like kind of nothing. So yeah, that would have been a good episode. Yeah, and yeah. I knew something big was going to happen. That, that's just how TV shows go. Because those next two episodes yeah. are unbelievable. Yeah. And you're right, yeah. they do kind of leave you on a massive, massive cliffhanger, which is the White Walkers blasting through the wall and heading south. But on Sunday, my beloved New England Patriots lost <laughs> on a Hail Mary last second throw. Uh-oh. I'm still upset about it, Uh-oh. but I needed something to take my mind off of that. And I'm like, oh, I got two episodes of Game of Thrones. And I've been fighting myself not to watch those episodes and i went and watched them and they're great they're fantastic glad to hear it and i can't wait now for season eight obviously and the t- and it also gave me a chance to watch the teaser trailer yeah right i'm like okay so i can watch this and i can watch the teaser trailer which- yeah so satisfying because so much happens in the teaser trailer <laughs> <laughs> i love i don't want to be one of these guys right now but i love the online uh, reaction, which is just like, well, what does this mean? And where exactly is the wolf placed oh, upon no. the map of Westeros? It's near the <laughs> Twins, which is a river, which is important for this reason. But you can see that its butt turns to ice first, and that's important for these reasons. It's like, I don't think it's that intense. Freaking I, internet. Right? I think oh, it's like, man. ice meets fire. That's ice it. That's all fire. you need to know. We yeah. know what's going to happen. It's like, these people are in the north, these people are in the south. There's going to be a war. It's ice meets fire. I know. It's nothing. It really is nothing. To, don't you think? To bird's eye view this teaser it's it's sub i think it's sub one minute and you see ice and uh, it's it's advancing along the map and it freezes a wolf and it makes a dragon frosty and then you see fire and fire lights up with the lion and then they meet in the middle and there's all this stuff and april 2019 yes am i allowed to to give my season seven review of uh, game of thrones let's hear it please okay so like you said like i said before i'm late to the party on game of thrones i watched all the six first six seasons in succession, episode after episode, I just blasted through these, right? Loved them. I loved the pacing of Game of Thrones. I loved how everything just, everything was tied up nicely, but not quickly. Like, over time, mm-hmm. everything was tied, the pacing was just fantastic. I felt that changed in season seven. I felt that they gave you what you wanted but they gave it to you too fast. That's mm. then, and I kind of have a problem with that. And I thought, what's great about Game of Thrones, I thought, was uh, you expect something to happen, but it it doesn't happen the way you'd expect it to happen. And I felt Game uh, Season Seven, everything happened the way you expected it to happen, and that's to me kind of not what's great about Game too of Thrones. Too predictable? Yeah, a little too predictable. Okay. You know, like all yeah. the houses meeting there and great, uh, all the head of houses, uh, families meeting there in that great episode. Um, okay, it happened. And then Daenerys meeting uh, Jon Snow. When that happened, I just felt like you're waiting a long time for that to happen in the first six seasons. And then they just all of a sudden happened in, in season seven. I'm like, why? Why did we need it to happen that quickly? I th- honestly, I think one of the main answers to that is because there's only season eight left. Yeah. So you got to start wrapping up sometime, lest it be a what I call a Star Trek ending, where everything is suddenly magically resolved in the last, you know, the last third. Well, well yeah, and I've heard that, but I'm like, then why not have a season nine? Well, okay, let me 
Let me say this about Game of Thrones, and I am a massive fan of the show and the books and the worlds that uh, George Martin has created here. He has made a fantasy world and a story and a mythology that honestly is bigger even than Tolkien's Middle Earth world. Like, there's so much going on in the Song of Ice and Fire world. Um, It's incredible. The world building and the mythos is flabbergasting. It really is. Um, But at the end of the day, he is writing a fantasy fairy tale where inevitably we as an entire audience will be unsatisfied if the good guys don't win. If at the end of this giant story, the White Walkers roll through and just take over everything and everyone dies and everyone you love dies, that would be a very Game of Thrones ending, right? Like, oh, it's so yeah. it's so dark and bleak and that's what's great about Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> Guys, he's, he's, writing, he's writing his version of Lord of the Rings, which is that good will triumph eventually over evil. Not maybe in the way exactly that we think, not in a cliche way that has happened before. Not all good maybe will win. Right. Okay. And certainly we've lost a lot of good guys along the way and that's what's been so interesting about Game of Thrones, right, versus Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Gimli didn't die. You know, it's like Legolas and Gimli weren't casualties of the War of the Ring, you know, somewhere along the way. They didn't die in that first uruk attack or something. But um, so that's what George Martin has done in a really cool way is he's killed so many people along the way that it keeps you invested. It keeps you, you know, in your mind thinking, oh, anyone could die. But when you do look back at the entire series as a, you know, in everyone's arc, you know right from the beginning who your two main heroes are. Mm-hmm. Maybe three, let's say, with Tyrion. You know it's Daenerys and you know it's Jon Snow, right? These are the people who are at the beginning, like they are the lowliest. They are the the most pure, though, and the best of the everybody. And their, the whole story is going to be their arc and their triumph over every evil. It throws in Ned, right? And it throws in Rob, Rob even, yeah. Stark. And it throws in these other heroes because there are just so many characters to show you. And then it kills them to show you, like, nobody's safe. It even kills Jon Snow, right? Yeah, to say, right. nobody's <laughs> safe. But at the end of it, it's like, nope, there are these main heroes and they will triumph. We're just taking a really fun way to get there. Yeah, that's, and that's the problem with season seven, I think, to your point, Art, about it's like, we are going to get there. And all of a sudden, instead of these things we're, we're accustomed to, like the Red Wedding and, you know, it's like people that you love dying. Instead, now you're going to have good guys triumphing. Yeah. And you're going to have, you know, these, these which, great battles and meetups going the classic fantasy way, which is the good guys triumphing over the evil. I'm, I'm okay with that. But for me, it just it stopped being a story. It started being a TV show. Oh, that's that's interesting. that's that's that was my biggest problem with games. See, and I think the reason is seven. they have to start ramping up the pacing and the tying up of the loose ends because it is a TV show and you're heading into your final your final act, as it were, your final season. And that's my biggest uh, worry about the next Avengers movie as well, because they are tying it up. You know, mm. yeah, like contracts and stuff. You're talking, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair enough. Thing, yeah, I think uh, Game of you Thrones. You just don't like things to oh. end. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Art, Art likes to, to, to keep the experience going forever. But uh, then if you do that, though, then you, you run the risk of becoming like The Walking Dead. You know, you draw things out way exactly. too long. Yeah, and see, and that's always been my thing. And that's what I love about Game of Thrones is, is it has a set end point. And we're getting there. There's a proper arc to this story. There's a beginning, middle, and end. And that's what I like about things rather than them going on indefinitely. But this I'll, is the reason why I like shows like Breaking Bad and Fargo. They're, they're, they end in 
It doesn't have to be a happy ending. Right. It happens. It just ends. Why do these shows have to have happy endings? It's not realistic to have that. Game of Thrones for a very long time showed you that things aren't going to go the way you want them to go. Right. And why are all you, of a sudden do they have to change to a fairy tale ending? Are you telling us tale. something about your life, Art? Do you need a hug? <laughs> How did you know, Brian? <laughs> I'll hug you. Uh, I think, too, the other problem with these last few seasons of Game of Thrones is that for the first uh, five seasons, you were following a book series that was out, and you could mine them you know, infinitely for every single thing. Uh, dialogue that had been written by George Martin, he had poured over those um, those passages for years. We see the pace at which he writes, you know what I mean? And that's not for him just taking his time or being a peck, you know, uh, what do you call it, bud, when you hunt and peck on a keyboard? Hunt and peck. <laughs> that's not why these books take long. It's because George Martin pours over them and like crafts them, like because he is a, a very talented and um, a thoughtful author. Now, these last couple of seasons, George Martin has just you know drawn on a wall. Here's what happens, you guys. Make it do. Right, and the TV show has to do it. So that's why it feels more like a TV show, because TV people are now writing and producing it whole, wholesale, rather than mining tombs, massive 800-page books, for every little detail of what this should happen in this canon. they got to come up with it themselves kind of and that's why if the quality of dialogue or whatever has dipped it's for that very reason so yeah. the first five books were sort of like george rr R. martin's first album and then everything <laughs> followed that is like the, the panic of making the great second album that's right because you can have all the time in the world to make a great first album as much as we're waiting you know it's like for winds of winter mm -hmm. and then a dream of spring will be the final book and when we'll get that who knows who whoever will know that but uh i kind of think for that reason alone, for the the TV show to be as good all the way through, wouldn't it have been better if, you know, like, when A Dream of Spring is released, that's when the first season of the show came out. Do you know what I mean? And then you would have had all the books to it's go on. It's all laid out. You knew exactly what was going to be important, what wasn't going to be important, because you had the full story to draw from, rather than just the first five parts of it, and then George Martin drawing you a map. Victim of its own success, then. A little bit. But I mean, like, they have one more season left to wrap this up in a great way that satisfies me. For me, for a TV show to be great, it's got to start great and finish great, you mm -hmm. know? So, so many, so many TV shows out there, like, they're great for one, two seasons, and they just can't keep it up, right? Game of Thrones, for me, had a good chance of, you know, being one of the greatest TV shows ever. And if they go the same way they've been going here in, game, in season seven to season eight... It's going to slip on that list for me. Really? Yeah. Wow. We'll find out in April. And then, yeah, when, uh, Winds of Winter is coming, says George, in, on his, on his not-a-blog, <laughs> which has current mood excited. Thank you, live journal. <laughs> what the frickity frick-frack. Man. Um, that was quite a lengthy blog. Um, but, yeah, he did, he did promise that it was, it was coming. Are you, how, how, what's, you, what's the Paul level of excitement on this one? Um, do you want to know what I... Uh I'm a, such a slow re reader that I'm still on like book three, anyways. It's because ah, you listen enough. to music while you read. Oh, okay. here we go. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, it's because those books are intense, and I need to like take a break and read like a couple of like happy time books in during the summer, especially. You know, when I'm reading at the beach, I don't really want to hear about 
the uh, the pillaging of a village <laughs> and the women taken as slaves and all this and how intense that's a fair point is, yeah. no you read uh, an entire chapter while listening to music and you realize that you weren't paying attention you had to go back and read it again okay so anyways oh, for whatever oh. reason I'm a slow reader but you know who I feel for is all these people uh, my sister is one of them she was into those books like well before the TV show had come out like she was really really into them and she refuses to watch a single moment of the TV show <gasps> until she's read the books. Oh, All the books. Dang. And I'm just saying to her, I'm just like, it's going to be years. It's going to be yeah. decades. George, are your best hope now is for George R.R. R. Martin to die, and then his estate can just release whatever he's got done. And maybe the last A Dream of Spring will be like a picture book with some scribbles on it. <laughs> Seriously, like, it's going to take forever, and she won't watch it until they're all out. Oh, She's that's read them a tough all. decision. That's how I feel for her. Oh, boy. I I'm know. sorry. I'm sorry, Paul's sister. That's <laughs> yike. And I totally just see him trolling his fans and be like, you know, I'm going to release like uh, the second edition of my Westeros cookbook before I uh, finish up. <laughs> Blood pudding done the hound's way. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, have you seen like they just came out with Fire and Blood, another like thousand page book that has nothing to do with the main story. It's all like a history yeah. of the Targaryens. It's like if I was... A book reader, and I was waiting for Winds of Winter, and that came out. I'd be fucking chapped. I'd be at his door, being like, "Get to work, you crazy old <laughs> duffer! Take that stupid hat off and get to work." I'm res- trolling. That's what he's doing. Totally trolling. I respect your sister though, because I, when I watched uh, the Lord of the Rings, I was so happy that I had read the books before watching the movie, because you know, then you can make your own. In, you have your own theater of mind of how these characters are and everything right. before someone else tells you what they look like. Totally. And there's probably a bunch of blanks that the movie leaves that you get to fill in because you've read the books and you know the nuances of the 100%, story. 100%, yeah. Uh, luckily, we're in a golden age where uh, movie makers have figured out the correct balance of uh, staying true to the story that is beloved on the page uh, and uh, making it work for film. Because The Lord of the Rings is my favorite example of that. They do. You know, it's like they leave out just enough and they show what's important. Um, versus, you know, it's like, remember the, the animated cartoons from the 70s of Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. Yes. They <laughs> did not know. They, like, tried to say immediate, so, so super faithful to it. You know, it was but a little also too faithful, yeah. didn't know how to make it work, so like I hated those movies. They were a little cringeworthy. <laughs> They're I'll awful, say that. yeah, because they don't get it. They didn't get how to do that properly. Does anybody have any last minute anything's to throw in or last minute topics they want to cover? I miss you, Brian. Oh, I miss you guys too. How are your kids? Um, the kids are good. They're they're watching something downstairs. I hope they're not on Tumblr. Once, once upon a Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're watching the R-rated version of Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing that I wanted to say, Paul went on this rant last week about how he feels that he doesn't think the Avengers should uh, include time travel. Do we have some time for this? Oh, yeah, let's do this. I want to get into this. It doesn't sound like me, Brian, but okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Are you thinking of art? (laughs) No, I specifically remember it was you because I was listening to it in my car about a few days later, and then I was trying to input my arguments, and I was like, oh, wait, I'm talking to a recording. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because the thing that I thought of that I kind of wish I thought of um, uh, uh, last week when we were talking about this was just that... If Marvel can pull it off, like, because it looks, it 
for me, it really looks and feels like this is what's going to happen, is that they're going to include some form of element of time travel in this. Just in what I've, I've read about them, like, recreating old sets and stuff and uh, and being very, like, detail-oriented with, with, you know, some scenes and costumes and stuff. And we even also didn't touch on the trailer that, like, Captain America's wearing his Winter Soldier costume yeah. or his, his Winter Soldier Captain America outfit. There's got to be something there. Um if they do it, and if Marvel does it successfully, what's going to end up happening is that it's going to get the fans to appreciate every movie that, that that was made in the last 10 years that much more. Kind of like, remember when you were watching The Sixth Sense, and you were like, oh, big twist, Bruce Willis is a ghost. And then you go back and watch it again to see all the details that they they made sure they left in to uh, prove the fact that he was a ghost the mm-hmm. whole time yeah. kind of thing. I think if they do time travel correctly, if they do it right in uh, Avengers Endgame, then it's going to have fans going back to their old DVD, DVD collection to watch Avengers 1 or to watch like old like you know Captain America Winter Soldier or whatever um, because they're going to want to see how everything is been integrated and probably see that because of the fact that they have a war room they thought of all of this stuff way back when they were making avengers one i love this i love this and if anybody can pull it off it'll be marvel (gasps) that's what i'm saying that's all that's all i wanted to say you know what that's interesting when i go back and look at and you know how we talked about misdirect in trailers and stuff and i noticed that in that one scene where cap is looking at a picture of peggy Mm -hmm. and uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow has her like blonde hair. Yes, yeah. I'm thinking that maybe that's a scene from the actual Winter Soldier movie because he's wearing he's wearing his uh, old suit in that in that scene and no beard and no beard and maybe they just made sure to put Black Widow's like hair color blonde there just to misdirect you that that might be a scene from the Winter Soldier. With them going back in time. This, it, that's very interesting there, Brian. Very it, interesting. Yeah. Again, with like lots and lots of research, I read a headline and I just threw it away in my head. And it was something like, people can read the timeline of Avengers Endgame from Black Widow's hair. And I'm like, oh, just <laughs> shut up. You, 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 you'll never believe what happens next kind of clickbaity headline. And I threw that away. But as you were saying that, and you were talking about the costume, and I remembered the beard, and oh my God, yes, her hair is blonde in that. Holy crap! Like... If time breaks or something and we get to see all these little bits and bobs? What I'm saying is I think they even tried to hide the time. They really did try to hide the time change in that trailer, even though there is elements of time travel in there. Okay, right? If they can can remove an eye or or put back an eye for for Thor, then yeah, they can change somebody's hair color in a trailer or whatever. They don't. Uh, okay. They don't care about lying to us in a trailer. They've already done that multiple Truth. times yeah. in the past. So and like if you think of it too, if you did change, so in that scene, there I think they were in like um, they were at a Quinjet or yeah. something. But in that scene, if you do color her hair red, like as red as it was in um, the Winter Soldier, then her hairstyle is exactly the same as in the Winter Soldier. That's right. You have like, Shorter hair. Wow, that's geeky, but good. <laughs> so geeky. All right, I want to hear what Paul thinks oh, about God. this theory. I don't like any of it. <laughs> if I could just like move your, all your time travel boners out of the way for a second here, I I like it. If Marvel does it, I'm sure they'll do it well. 
time travel back to last podcast, and you'll hear me saying again that it is it's lazy storytelling. It's yeah, I, I was going to say that. I was going to say that you, you said it was lazy, yes. but if they've been able to think about this, all if they were able to plant seeds all the way from Avengers one till now, no, that no. wouldn't be the opposite of lazy i would think yes it's yeah you're right but i can't imagine marvel doing all of this and what they're saying is like okay we're gonna build and build and build and build and it's all gonna make sense because guess what guess what the big thing is we're gonna do when it all culminates they're gonna go back in time (laughs) and guess what everyone iron man is his own dad just like back to the future good night everybody but here's the thing fuck no (laughs) they're gonna do that time travel is 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 a crutch and a bad writing tool and Mm -hmm. a and a quick fix yep in most situations but as brian lays it out Mm -hmm. if they've planned this from the beginning it's a tool it's part of the story if that's what he's talking about if that's how it lays out that would be brilliant Again, boners, oh, all geez. of you guys, your go. time travel boners. Listen, I, again, I'm not going to say that it's good or bad or whatever. It's bad. But uh, <laughs> I'm just, I did, it's so funny that you're all so excited about this idea that I just don't think is going to happen. We're all just speculating, right? Brian, I respect he's speculating to this level and uh, knows the hair color of everybody and like <laughs> knows how it would work. Like That's cool. But um, if I'm going to speculate, knowing what I know about Marvel and how they move their pieces uh, expertly across the media juggernaut landscape board, I'm saying they're not going to play this card. Is That's... this a lunch bet? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, let's lunch oh. bet, Brian. Absolutely. You and me, right? Okay. okay. Let's do that. All right. Okay. We have, a, we have a virtual phone to control room handshake on a bet about lunch. And uh, okay, it'll be very interesting to see how this goes. We'll just have to wait a few months. As if I could get any more excited. Oh, man, this is this is great. It just ups the ante, doesn't it? This ups the ante. Um, a, a Stranger Things uh, trailer kind of was released that basically it confirms season three. It says when it's coming out. I can't remember when. And and it gives you the titles of all the shows, which I think is really kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I think that's brilliant. I think Stranger Things did it for season two. That's the only other yeah, time I, I think, think I've seen. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like it, except I don't like that it's coming out in the summertime. Stranger Things is a Halloween uh, uh, time thing. It could, I think, though, because of the whole thing sort of takes place within a mall, it, it'll feel like a summertime movie. Oh. I think that, I think that's kind of like the, the thing they're, they're trying to... Remember that, that teaser video where they're, they're, it was like a promo for the Starcourt Mall? Yeah. And then uh, What's-His-Face, Steve or something, gets a job in it. Um, I think that's going to end up being like the main the main set piece of season three, which would technically then make Stranger Things kind of a summer like that season three of Stranger Things a summertime story. Okay, fair enough. I and mean, because it's so Spielbergian in its uh, delivery, <laughs> um, you know, it's like some of those movies too do feel very summertime, like the the balmy adolescent summer days. So if that's where this takes place, then fine. I just. It worked really well in the fall for me. Sure. That's where it was taking place, and that's when I liked watching it, because it was Halloween-y, but spooky. okay, fine. Yeah, yeah spooky. And, you know, the kids are going to school, right? It's fall. Right. Uh, I, the, the thing I want to say about uh, Stranger Things is, man, they got to pop these seasons out quickly, because the kids are growing up, mm. and they're not going to be as cute anymore. That's and I think call. that's one of the biggest <laughs> things about Stranger Things. You know? You're that's, right. That's part of why people love this show so much. These kids are cute, they, they're dorky and everything like that, but... When they start turning into teenagers, that uh, it's just going to be awkward. That's when they're going to start having like mysterious little brother and sisters popping up. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Fair point. They'll just show up from another dimension. <laughs>
Uh, we have a title for a new Disney Pixar original feature. It's going to be called Onward, and uh, it will star Chris Pratt and Tom Holland from the MCU, oh. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Octavia Spencer, and it will be a suburban fantasy about uh, fantasy creatures in a world that has technology instead of magic. So that'll be interesting. You'll have like unicorns working the drive-thru or whatever. Interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. It's great an, cast. It, yeah, great cast. And, uh, and a really interesting twist and a really interesting mashup of, uh, of genres. What's everyone's favorite Pixar movie? Ooh. Dang. Oh, come on, guys. Have this all ready to go. Oh, it should dang. be obvious. Wally is the best one. Wally is a fantastic movie. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm just trying to think if there's anything that I, I was like gonna say better up. than that. I think I like Up. You like Up? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I really don't know. We'll come back with, to that in a week. All right. We'll think yeah. about it for a whole week, right. and then we'll come back, but it's probably Wally for me. Wally is so head and shoulders, I think. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog, there is a live-action movie coming, and they have animated the poster. Like, there's a poster, and then they, they put some animation and some sound effects on it, and, and it says at the top, from the producers of The Fast and the Furious. Ha, 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 ha. Um, and that's about all we know. Do we want, do we need a Sonic the Hedgehog live-action movie? Live action? It's going to be live action, you think? Yep. Yeah. Sonic oh. is CGI. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, they're not going to actually co-opt a real hedgehog to and paint him blue and make <laughs> him run really fast, but... Although in this picture, it looks like they are, oh, right? It's not it's a good, so it's not good. It's so bad. I will say that they have, he has like runners on, like actual runners. Looks weird. You were going to say films? Uh, filmed here on the island. Uh, oh. One of the main uh, stretch pieces on uh, Ladysmith, uh, you know, where they do the parade right down there. I think that's like big scenes right in there. Yeah. I was surprised <sighs> how ugly it looks. Um, I, I remember as a kid, do you remember what they came out with a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon show and, yep. uh, Jaleel White, Steve Urkel played Sonic the Hedgehog and mm. I really loved watching it. I really, really liked it. I didn't play a ton of Sonic games as I was more of a Nintendo kid than a Sega kid. So I was Super Mario versus Sonic, but I liked the character of Sonic. I liked what they did with him in the world and the mythology and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, um... Fuff, this movie looks like shit. <laughs> this, just the characterization of Sonic is just like, I don't want to watch this horrible... Human-looking hedgehog? Yeah, giant anthropomorphic hedgehog head on a weird Usain Bolt runner's body with very yeah. sexy calves. It's like, oh, it's hard to look at. I'm not going to watch a whole movie out of that. I'll, wow. wait, I'll wait definitely for the, the, the reviews of it, but if... Judging by that first poster, not it, a fan. It does all. not look fantastic. Yeah. Who's it for, too? Like, is, are you supposed to be getting me with nostalgia, or is it for little kids? Who do kids still play Sonic the Hedgehog? Gamers, are I don't know. Gamers? I think it's. I think that you're probably your main demographic is going to be nostalgia. People like you, <laughs> which which apparently it is not working for. Well, yeah, we'll see. It is from the producers of the Nickelback of movies. <laughs> oh, 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 callback! Don't insult Fast and Furious that badly, oh, Ryan. Boy. <laughs> All right, our last little piece of bite-sized news is that the the, the Jean-Luc Picard series of Star Trek, um, there's there, we have some details, but not really much. We know it now it's going to be shot in California. Ooh, ah, tax breaks for California. That's great. <laughs> um, it's going to be more gritty, more real world than Next Generation, which is not really a difficult feat. Um, uh, and it'll be less fast-paced than Discovery. They say the pacing is going to be sort of between next-gen and Discovery, if Discovery is like a bullet of pacing. Okay. Um, and next-gen was 
the 90s. It'll be sort of in between that. Mm. And it will answer a lot of questions that, that there were a lot of, well, there are a lot of questions about uh, Picard, Picard's life and his last appearance from the Star Trek Nemesis movie and uh, how he and or possibly other members of the, of the, the Enterprise D crew are doing. But this is all we know. It's being filmed. Isn't Discovery the next season coming out here pretty soon too? I saw that today. Yeah, in, yeah. in uh, January, I believe. I hear it's really good. They're, I haven't seen any of it. But. Oh, you haven't? No. no. It's right. They've been doing these short treks, these little 20-minute episodes uh, leading up to the premiere, which I believe is in January. It's January if it's not February. Um, and yeah, so coming up pretty soon. I've, I've enjoyed Discovery uh, greatly. Okay. And um, it's, it, I don't know. It's funny. It's weird to see a, a grown-up Anthony rap after seeing him go through the whole Rent thing. Mm. Um, I, but I love his character. I love how he plays that. Um, and of course, uh, Sinequa Martin-Green from The Walking Dead is Michael Burnham, the main, the main character. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a neat, different, dark gritty twist on uh, on star trek and you like it even though it involves um um the the whole time travel not no not time <laughs> travel what's the word? parallel universe uh, angle yeah i do i it's it's a great time to be a star trek fan i think because uh i love the jj style movies they're a really fun adventure and then i love what they're doing with discovery uh you know an ongoing series they kind of have figured out a good way to do that because i was so bored of star trek um both um Deep Space Nine and Voyager were so boring to me. They were just really bad oh, next gen clones. I really? didn't. Fair yeah, enough. Sorry, I didn't like the characters. I didn't like the pacing. I didn't like anything about them. Wow. Um, but Discovery is quite good. So I'm excited to see what they do with Picard. What they do with these, you know, better production values, better writing, better everything. Um, I think Picard or uh, what's his name, um, Patrick Stewart, always had a problem with the like Trekno babble. He hated mm. saying nonsense words to just make a problem go away. Yeah. You know, uh, that was what they were doing in the next gen era. And as much as I loved those growing up, um, it's exciting that he probably won't have to do that. He probably wouldn't have come back to this character if that's all they were going to do with him. No, I'm sure this is going to be more cerebral, more contemplative, yeah. more of a character-driven show than a tech-driven show, definitely. Yeah, they they kind of know what, you know, in retrospect, what fans loved about Picard. And it was, you know, it was like those great speeches about uh, uh, philosophy and morality and things like that. Where right? he really got to stretch his stage acting muscles. Yeah. Like, brilliant. Oh, no, I love those. So if they bring that to this character again, it'll be very interesting to watch i have high hopes for it i wonder where it's going to be is he on earth is he an admiral now is he like on a spaceship again to quote uh, captain kirk in one of those movies where they shouldn't have been still making movies with those characters because they were all a thousand years old and having trouble getting around the ship without the use of a cane you know it's like galloping around the cosmos as a young man's game so likely he won't be on a spaceship or but he kind of was good even as an older captain you know, doing those diplomatic missions. Yeah, he didn't stuff. go on with the away missions or whatever. He stayed back. And yeah, you know, he wasn't... when was the last time we saw him? Was that Nemesis? Yeah, the end of Star Trek Nemesis. And and oh, oh man, like it, it, we had like a shattered universe. You know, um, not to go too much into it, but I mean, Data was dead, and, yeah. and dead. I think uh, I think Crusher was going back to Earth, and everybody everybody was just sort of off in their own separate directions. And it wasn't really the greatest time. And as I understood it, they were going to develop the the story more and hopefully wrap it up with a bit of a of a bow, which our, our Aronson hates, um, in the next Star Trek movie, but Nemesis wasn't well received enough to merit that. Yeah, 
And so that, again, too, they at that time, they didn't know what they were doing with this franchise or these characters. Trying to turn, you know, Captain Picard, again, this great philosophizer, into a friggin' action hero. Like, let's get him in a, in a tank top and have him be, like, you know, John McClane and die hard and kick people and swing. And the oh, guy was ripped. I'll give him that. But <laughs> you know, it's, like, so stupid. And the movies were terribly written as well. They were junk. But, um... I'm happy to see that he'll get, that character will get uh, more going on and a better ending, hopefully. Nice. Uh, one piece of news that came out today, uh, Netflix has released its uh, some of the shows that it's going to be releasing in January. Oh, yes. The titles and uh, The Punisher. Oh, Punisher. The Punisher ah. season two yes. is coming. So hopefully Karen Page meets her end in that one. Oh, for the love of Pete, here we go. Can we just... Why is that? Long? She's like a, a side defi- character in The Punisher, though. You're probably going to get to see her. Right? Much to my chagrin. Oh, boy. Except that you want to see her die. Yeah. That's a character trait of Art Aronson. Yeah. I hate a woman. I want her to die. No, Anyways, no, if you I- get a chance, <laughs> if you get a chance to see The Punisher season one, Paul, it's you'll understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get to see Art Aronson's characters like I don't like happy endings and I want female journalists dead <laughs> when they don't do journalist things. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Words in my mouth. Come on now. <laughs> Not too many. Brian, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, DJ Boitano on Facebook or Boitano nine one three on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Art Aronson, where can we find you? Yeah, at Art Aronson on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can also find me on Podbean. Hopefully, we're going to get on iTunes, hopefully, uh, between the stammers there. Paul Plastino. At Paul Plastino. And hopefully in a movie theater seeing Into the Spider-Verse with all you guys on Tuesday. Should we make it a date? Let's do it. I'm in. Yay! And I'm Webmeister Bud on all socials. And uh, where normally I would end the... uh, the show with uh, with a high pitched buy like I do at the end of the geek out. I just this is so funny. Before the show, oh, no. I went and I had no, an, 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 I like a miniature orange, orange no, and I, I the way I there. peeled the oh, peel, no. it looks like yeah. two big elephant yes. eyes and an elephant trunk. And if yeah. I put it up in front uh-huh. of my face, I'll say, "Look, I'm an elephant." Woo! I was gonna say yeah. cock and balls, but okay. What? Yeah, you know, Ew, what? If, you, if you took a picture of that, if you took a picture of that, you couldn't post it on Tumblr. Okay. Good end, everyone. Good pod. Bye. The Geek Out Podcast is a production of The Zone at 91.3. The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.